So good morning again. I forgot to tell you, my name is Parker, and I'm here on staff, and I'm very excited to be here with you this morning. Welcome. We have a lot of visitors, and it's exciting to have you here. Whether you're here in the auditorium or you're joining us online, we're so excited that you've chosen to do that. Thank you guys very much. Hey, listen, in front of you, if you're here in the auditorium and in the side panel, if you're online, there's a connection card. Would you please fill that out and let us know if there's a way we can connect with you, if there's a way that we could become, um, well, more connected with you in your life and, and bring you into the ministry. We'd love to reach out to you. So thank you guys very much for doing that. A couple of things this morning. First of all, <clears throat> I want to apologize for my voice. I was blessed this week to be away at Passion Camp. Go Maverick, huh? So you'll be hearing a lot more about that. 6,500 kids, 130, 150 of whom were from this church, gathered together in Daytona Beach for a fantastic week. It was amazing. You'll be hearing a lot more about that next week. I'm not going to steal the thunder, but I won't be here. We're on vacation. But my voice is about gone because singing and just celebrating and also being up till two o'clock in the morning and getting up early five days in a row is, I'm just not quite used to that. Anyway, not anymore. It was a blast. I can't wait for you to hear about that. So please be here next week to hear the overview, to hear all about it and all of the exciting things that happened. By the way, we were electric blue, right? So look for that electric blue shirt. Okay. One of the families that we have here visiting this week. Oh, first of all, let's do this. Discover good news. So Wednesday of this week, if you want to learn more about the church, if you have some questions, if you're interested in pursuing possibly the path to membership, please join us on Wednesday night. We'll have a class. We'd love to have you here. Child care is provided. And so if you can join us, we'd love to have you here. Okay. We have some visitors here today. We have a lot of important visitors, but I really want to call out one family, uh, the Hercos. The Hercos started this campus and built it incredibly through the power of the Holy Spirit. Andy and his family have been away now as chaplains in the Army for a couple of, it's two years or three years. How long has it been? It, uh, two years. Man, that's incredible. Seems like I just saw you yesterday. Oh, I did. But anyway, um, just incredible. We owe so much to the Hercos for all that they've done and all they continue to do for the church. We were blessed this week to have Liliana, their oldest, with us at Passion Camp, and that was just a blast. So we're thankful for that and thankful that you guys are here again this morning. And a great thing has happened in the Hercos' lives. Uh, there was a time in the Army when they weren't sure exactly what the future looked like. A lot of people were praying with all of their hearts for the Hercos, and we were too. And we're just blessed, so blessed in the way things have turned out. So the Herco family will be moving to Italy for their next assignment. And they're excited about that and just ready for what God's going to continue to do through them. I'm going to ask you right now to join me in prayer as we pray for our Army chaplain, our former leader, and a family that's just very dear to our hearts. Dear God, we thank you for Andy. We thank you for the Herco family, for what you're doing through them, God. You are just 
moving mountains and bringing, bringing new, new people to, into your kingdom continually. God, we pray that your hand will continue to be upon them. Lord, keep them safe. Watch over them. Bless them. Be with them. Give them joy. Fill their spirits with your mighty love, Jesus, and continue to use them as only you can. We pray for them in the trip to Italy, for the time that's there, and for what you have in their future. We love you, God, and it's in your holy name that we pray. Amen. Ah, okay, second announcement, and this is a big one as well. I'm going to invite Lisa Kent to join me here on stage. Most of you know Lisa. <clears throat> Lisa is our children's director. She has been here at the campus providing all of her heart and soul for the last seven years to the ministry. Do you realize, you may not, that Lisa has actually been in children's ministry for 32 years? It's just amazing how many lives have been touched and have been changed as a result of Lisa's ministry. So, Lisa has been planning to retire at the end of this year, beginning of next year, and um, so we've been planning for that. Uh, but we're, we're excited for Lisa that, that she feels like she needs to move forward now, right now, into the next phase of her life. She has needs with families, uh, with her daughters in Texas and in Atlanta, and she, she needs to be able to move into that phase of her life. So she and her husband, Harry, will be moving um, not away physically. They'll be here at church moving forward whenever they're here, but she's going to spend a lot of time in Texas and Atlanta ministering to her family. And I'm going to let Lisa say uh, a couple of words here, and I'll get out of the way. But I do want to just thank you from the bottom of my heart for all you've done. You've just been incredibly amazing, and we look forward to, uh, to continuing to work with you um, as you guys come back. And I'm just excited about what you guys are going to do for your family as well. <clears throat> I'm so glad they're going to let me speak just a little bit, but um, I just, I thank God for sending us to Good News Church. Um, Harry and I have just had a lot of joy here. Um, it's been an honor and a privilege to pray for your kids, to see them grow uh, in their faith, and to come to know Christ. That has been a pure joy for me to see, and it's been a, an honor and a privilege and a I've enjoyed working with this dedicated staff and all the gospel partners. Um, our friendships have grown, and I love y'all dearly, and we'll continue to love you. And also, um, thank you for just being the church and loving others so graciously. Um, <clears throat> it's so it means so much to Harry and I. We look forward to our next. Uh, season of life and retirement and we look forward to spending a much needed time with our family but most of all God bless and just continue to bless Good News Church we love you very much Okay, so just so you know your kids, 
will be taken care of. Um, Ivy Shulkers and Jackie Roche have agreed to step forward on an interim time frame as we're looking for our permanent solution. And next, Director, we're so thankful to you ladies, really. Thank you very much for all you do already and for stepping forward. Uh, we'll have some details of that plan out to you shortly as well, but we're really excited that they've, they've agreed to do that. Okay, so let me uh, join me one more time in prayer. Let's pray for Lisa as she moves into this next phase of life. Dear God, we thank you so much for Lisa and for Harry and for the Kent family and for all they've done. Lord, not just for us, but in children's ministry in many places and across so many lives. Lord, you've, you've just touched so many through the Kent family and through Lisa. And God, we pray that you'll be with them in this next phase of life. Just take them forward. Let them minister to their families in a mighty way. And God, bless this church as we continue to move forward with a growing and expanding and exciting kids ministry. Lord, we praise you. We thank you. We love you. And it's in your holy, blessed name that we pray. Amen. So this morning, we are blessed to have a uh, guest speaker. Not really, he's not a guest. He is well known to all of us. And uh, as Dave continues to, um, to have a little bit of a break, a little bit of a vacation, he's off for one more week after this, and then he's back. Uh, so help me welcome to the stage, Dylan Cousard. Thank you, Pastor. All right, good morning. Will you guys join me in a word of prayer? Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you. We thank you for your word, for the goodness that you have given us, Lord. Um, as, as the word is about to be brought, Lord, would you speak through me? I pray that none of these words would, would be my own, God. Um, Holy Spirit, we submit this time to you, um, all for your glory. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. All right, well, um, a lot of news. Uh, it was exciting to see. We had a couple guest people up here on the worship team. My brother and uh, my sister-in-law were in town for the weekend, so they got to play the cello and the piano, so it's always a treat to have them. I feel like I'm always pestering them. Sometimes they say yes, so I'm going to keep pestering them. All right, and... Uh, and Thank you to Lisa. It's been so humbling to work with her for all these years. She has brought so much wisdom and joy to the staff, and, and we're always learning from her in, in staff meeting, whether she's in, intending to teach us anything or not. She's just always pouring out wisdom, and, and the love that she has for Jesus is, is magnetic. It, it is contagious, and so she will be dearly missed, but uh, we look forward to, again, seeing, seeing a lot more of her. Um, but for those of you who don't know me, my name is Dylan Cousard. I'm the worship director. Usually I'm about there. Yeah, there. Yeah, about there. And uh, yeah, I am married to my wonderful wife, Pam. It's been five years. Yeah, he said confidently. We have uh, two awesome kids, Graham, who's three, and Vienna, who is 22 months old. All right, so I can't wait till she's two. I was giving you guys a second to do the calculation because I, I hate it when people are like, oh, months, this many months. And we went, I, I think two is when that should stop. <laughs> so just, she's two months from two. So I'll save you guys from doing the calculations. Drives me nuts. 
So yeah, so so Dave's out of town, so you got me today. Let's uh, let's get into it. We guys turn in your Bibles to Second Timothy. I'm going to tell you guys now, so you have a second to get there, and then we'll read it in a minute together. So Second Timothy chapter one, verse thirteen, and we'll so keep a finger there. We will get to it in just a second. All right. So to review, we've we've been in Second Timothy. So um, just to give you guys a little bit of context, in case you don't remember, Second Timothy was written by the Apostle Paul to Timothy. Nice and self uh, self explanatory. His uh, and Timothy was one of his main people that he poured into. He called Timothy his son in the faith, and so Paul had a lot a lot to say because this is, by most accounts, Paul's final letter that he wrote. He was in prison in Rome and thinking this was going to be it for him. And they think that he was martyred shortly after writing this. And so it's, as Timothy is becoming a church leader, Paul is, is uh, urgently pouring out to Timothy the things that he desperately needs to know. And so last week, Brad Leyland took us through verses 8 to 12 to compel us the, the importance of breaking that sound barrier and taking every opportunity to have gospel conversations with people, um, to proclaim it loudly, to proclaim it boldly. And it's, it's interesting because in our culture, we don't really get blatantly persecuted. There, there is some low-level stuff, and it's mostly um, through, you know, maybe being excluded or maybe having things be a little more difficult for you or someone, you know, making fun of you or something. But... You know, we still shy away from that a lot. And um, so Brad did a wonderful job encouraging us to be bold. So hopefully you guys had a chance to share with somebody, somebody this past week the gospel. And if not, uh, well, there's, there's this next week. So I pray that the Lord will be putting people on your heart that you can reach out to, that you can witness to. So this week, uh, we're looking at what happens after you break the sound barrier. And so the official title of of the message is uh, building a church leadership that lasts. So it's very relevant yet now. I, I, what, this actually applies to, to all of us. That sounds like something way over here, but it's, it's something that each and every one of us has a part in through discipleship and through the intentional encouraging of each other in Christ. So we're going to be looking at at building that up. And, and speaking of uh, encouragement in Christ, we do celebrate to see one life claimed for the Lord this week. That was at Passion Camp. So wonderful, wonderful things happening from Passion Camp. Um, thank you guys so much for investing in this church and allowing us to do things like that with, with our students. Um, all right. So hopefully you're at Second Timothy. Let's go ahead and get into it. So I'll do uh, verses 13 and 14. Follow the pattern of sound words that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. By the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. So I don't know if you guys have ever had anything entrusted to you. And depending where you are in life, it can be a, um, an intimidating thing or, or a frustrating thing or something that you're kind of like, I'm not ready for this. And uh, typically, anytime I'm given responsibility, I'm dragged kicking and screaming into it, um, as anyone in my family 
will tell you. <laughs> but one particular story comes to mind. From when I was 12 or 13, we were moving from Fruit Cove down to St. Augustine, and so we had to sell our house. And so we, my parents were going to do an open, an open house, and I, I got taken along. And, you know, being 12 or 13, I wasn't really happy about it. But as we're pulling into the driveway, my mom gives me one job. She says, Dylan, go in the garage. Or she would have said garage because she's from New Zealand. Go in the garage and put the sign out. I was like, okay. Being the dutiful son that I am, I went out and I put the sign out. And then I proceeded to have a magical last day in my childhood backyard. Meanwhile, my mother was not having a magical day. She was having a frustrating and disheartening day in an empty open house that no one came into. So after the entire afternoon, probably about four, she defeated walks into the front yard to take the sign down, only to be greeted with the for sale sign and not the open house sign. She was not happy. <laughs> I was thinking I did everything right and did not quite understand why she wasn't happy and even had the gall to say, well, you didn't say that sign. <laughs> so 20 years later, I have yet to live that one down. That, uh, that one still comes up from time to time. And um, where I'm going with that is that ultimately we did sell the house. Spoiler alert, I don't see what she's so upset about. <laughs> but... <laughs> Her, her goals were indeed fulfilled, but in spite of me, not because of me. So how do we stop ourselves from sabotaging the truth that we have been entrusted with? The short answer, and we'll, we'll build to that later, is to treasure Jesus. It sounds very simple, but I think if you've been a Christian for any number of years, you know that oftentimes... It's not. Like Parker read earlier about, about the weeds coming up and, and choking the truth and, and the rocky soil ruining your foundation, oftentimes we can find ourselves in those places. And so that's why it's so important to tend to our own souls, the soil that we're planted in. How do we become good soil so that there can be a crop, a yield, you know, 50, 100 times through us in our lives? It's a daily, daily struggle. So let's get back into this passage. I'm going to read it again. Follow the pattern of sound words that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. By the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. So I don't know about you guys, but anytime there's a long sentence like that, I have to kind of stop and break it down bit by bit. So let's do that together this morning. That's, that's how we're going to spend our time. We're going to be breaking down this passage, just one little bite-sized bit at a time. My kids are in like the chicken nugget phase right now, so yes, I have some chicken nuggies. All right. <laughs> First little nugget. Follow the pattern of sound words. If you're a literalist, you can be like, yes, all words make sound, but that's, that's silly. So follow the pattern of sound words. What does Paul mean by that? So I like going to some different translations that will, you know, phrase things a little bit different. In the NLT, it's uh, translated wholesome teaching. That's nice. But again, 
What does that mean? We need to put, put a pin on that and stick to it. Because clearly it's important if Paul's saying it to Timothy right here at the end. So Paul uses the same phrase in 1 Timothy 6.3. He says, If anyone teaches a different doctrine and does not agree with the sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ and the teaching that accords with godliness, he is puffed up and conceited and understands nothing. So sound words aren't just wholesome teaching. It is the teachings of Christ that are our way to godliness, our way to keep in step with the Spirit, is understanding, learning, and knowing the things that Jesus taught. So that is step one of this passage, step one in treasuring Jesus. Learn what he said. He says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. So if we treasure Jesus, we've got to find out what it is he wants us to do. What is he calling us to? How is he calling us to live? The next phrase and this might be one you'd think but you could gloss over pretty quickly. It says that you've heard from me. But this one's actually very important. Timothy's not alone. He's had coaching. He's had somebody pouring intentionally into him. So we're almost up on football season again. And so I'm going to use a football example. So has anyone heard of a coaching tree? Yeah. So some of you have. I heard, I heard some some happy grunts from some of the men <laughs> in the room. But a lot of you guys might not know what that is, and that is basically following the lineage of one coach down to another coach, and you can really tell who the greats are because they stand the test of time not just by their own accomplishments, but by the accomplishments of the people that came after them. So a lot of you guys may or may not know who Jim Lee Howell was. He was the coach of the Giants from 1954 to 1960, and was very successful in his own right. He won a championship, appeared in two more. Um, fantastic coach. But he had, um, he had a couple key people that he influenced who you guys will probably know. One being Vince Lombardi, the other being Tom Landry. So Vince Lombardi has five championships in seven years with the Packers. That is crazy. Talk about a dynasty. And he's one of the winningest coaches, like winning percentages of all time. Tom Landry dominated the league in the 1970s with his Cowboys. He also has a couple championship wins and, and appeared in several. And so the, the point of all this is we can really tell how good of a coach Jim Lee Howell was because the people that coached under him as his underlings went on to do incredible things. Now, the one guy down at the end was a bit of a stinker, so, so every family has one, but, <laughs> but you know, so don't, don't worry about that. Don't let that, don't let that mess with your vision of, of who Jim was. The man is a legend, not just because of his own accomplishments, but because of the accomplishments of the people that came behind him. And it's similar with, with Jesus. There were 12 guys that were his guys, and within a generation, they had evangelized the entire known world, the entire Mediterranean, had heard the gospel by the time his disciples had died. And that is absolutely incredible. What a lineage, and we get to be a part of that. But we need to place ourselves under, we need to place ourselves under the authority 
of a church under the authority of some kind of mentor, people who are going to pour into us. This is not a solo gig trying to walk with Jesus. He didn't have his disciples, even when he sent them out, he didn't send them out alone. He sent them out two by two because we need support, we need encouragement, and we need to be able to faithfully pass along what we've been given. And so before the New Testament was compiled and, you know, wasn't put into writing, the teachings and testimonies of the apostles were the source, so the thing that Jesus entrusted to them to take forward. And so oral creeds were a huge part of that, and I want to share one with you today. And this one, you'll hear a lot of criticisms from people talking about how the Gospels, you know, they weren't written until way later, which isn't true. And they say that, oh, the message was diluted, passed down from year, like a bad, years to years, like a bad game of telephone. But, but this creed we're going to read from 1 Corinthians actually dates even among skeptics. They think this was in common use within five years of the resurrection. So we're going straight to the source. So 1 Corinthians 15, 3 to 8, says, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, Peter, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared to me. That's Paul talking for his own addition. So Timothy was personally instructed by the apostle Paul, who himself was an eyewitness to the resurrected Christ, an expert in the Old Testament scriptures, and given divine understanding from the Holy Spirit and wisdom. So that fills Timothy, I'm sure, with all kinds of confidence, not in himself, but in the message that he was given to carry forward. He knows it is authentic, he knows it is legitimate, and he knows that that is what was passed down from Jesus himself. So what an incredible spiritual lineage, Jesus to Paul, to Timothy, and onward to countless generations to us today, because the people that came before us were faithful with the message and placed themselves under the teaching of someone who could faithfully teach them. Now that is a coaching tree. So it raises an important question for us, what voices are we allowing to shape us? There's a lot of competition for this. A lot. We are constantly being bombarded from all sides. By information, we always have our faces in our phone or some kind of screen, and that is constantly giving input. So what kind of influence are we going to have for the kingdom? You didn't get where you are alone, and you're not going to end up where you're going alone either. You need people beside you, you need people above you and people behind you, people to pour into you, people to encourage you as you walk along, and people that you can pass it on to. We all have to treasure Jesus together. It's an interesting thing, thinking about Jesus being treasure, and most treasure is hoarded, right? You, you kind of keep it, you keep it in the bank, you keep it wherever, you keep it safe. But Jesus is the only treasure that it is richer and richer the more people partake in it, the more it is passed around, and the more people get to join in the joy. 
And so one added benefit we have is we have the blessing of the written word and mountains of evidence to attest to its authenticity. But the one thing I do want to ask you is, is it our foundation? Is it your foundation? Do you really believe it's true? Do you believe Jesus is who it says he is? Do you know Jesus? The follow-up question to that is, who do you say that he is? Everything hinges on that. And so the next line in that passage is, in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. So follow the pattern of sound words that you've heard from me. So you have the teachings of Jesus. You've heard them from somebody passing them on to you that can be a spiritual mentor in the faith. But if you don't have faith and love in Jesus, that all means nothing. It's a bunch of information. So our answer to this question, like I said, everything hinges on this. So I ask you again, who is Jesus to you? Is he a good teacher? Is he a myth? Is he an absent father that gave us a bunch of things to do and then went to the store? Is he a vague set of personified morals? Or is he your God and King? Is he the arm of the sovereign Lord reaching down to pull us out of our sin and from the very jaws of eternal death? Is that who he is to you? He made himself nothing to give us everything. And so, I've already mentioned it, but our point for the day is to, to treasure Jesus. And so if there's anything that you walk away with today, I want it to be your need to treasure Jesus. And it seems like a lofty goal, but I want to give you guys some encouragement. Matthew 13 Verse 44 says, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys the field. So we truly decide to make Jesus our treasure. We have to be willing to lay it all down. We have to entrust him with our whole being. It is the only appropriate response. We're not given the luxury of not having an opinion on this especially if you're calling yourself a Christian, this is, this is the very essence. If you, were, if you were a gambler, you've been given a royal flush. You know what you have to do. Everything goes on the table, all in, because you know you can't lose. You know that any cost or any perceived cost to you, pushing all those chips in, is going to come back to you however many fold. It's going to be infinitely more than whatever we are called here on earth to give up. It doesn't compare. And that's not something out of selfishness, but something out of love for Jesus. And so the inheritance we have in him is on, on the line. Have you found this treasure? If you have, sell it all. Buy the field. Treasure Jesus. He loved us before we ever even took a breath. We don't love because we, we have to. We love because he first loved us. Amen? So he's knocking at the door. He says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. Anyone who opens it, I'll come in and dine with him and he with me. Before we get to the final point, 
I want to circle back a little bit. So the coaches that we talked about before, they're each responsible for their own actions. So Vince Lombardi isn't great because of Jim Howell. Jim Howell had an influence, absolutely, but Vince Lombardi had to pick up the ball and run. He had to take the input that was given to him and do something with it. And so that part, that part is up to him. But he gets to be a part of an incredible lineage. He has the advantage of having someone that poured into him. And so similarly with us, we're responsible for fostering our own faith. It's very important that we put somebody above us that can help us out and coach us. That is hugely important and gives us a big advantage in walking with Jesus. But ultimately, the steps we take, our following after Jesus, is on us. It has to be on us because at the end of all things, we're the ones that have to answer for the time that we were given. What do we do with it? So we can trace our spiritual heritage all the way back to the earliest church fathers. What an incredible blessing we've been given. We have the scriptures. We have the Holy Spirit. Where do we take it? So we preserve all kinds of treasures in museums. And you closely guard it. I don't know if you guys have seen recently in, in the news, there's these protesters that have been going to to art museums all over the world and finding priceless oil paintings and defacing them because they're trying to get the use of oil banned. Personally, I think that's a really dumb protest. <laughs> it's an oil painting and fossil fuels. <laughs> I'm just like, oh. But what they're doing is they'll sneak some stuff in, they'll throw a can of soup or something on it, and then they actually super glue their hands to it so that when they're removed from that painting, it absolutely ruins it. And we're talking priceless, priceless works of art. And so it's shocking when that happens. It's shocking when, when a painting gets botched. Especially if it's, uh, if it's intentional. So about 10 years ago, there's a picture I want to put up on the screen. About 10 years ago, this picture, some of you guys know what's coming, this picture was in the news, in the headlines, because this was on a, uh, a mission in Spain, outdoor painting, and so very difficult to keep it up with a beautiful painting of Jesus. And you can see there's cracks, and it's starting to get uh, in disrepair. And so an amateur art restorer came forward said, I can do it. I can fix it. So to any of you who are art enthusiasts, I'm sorry for the picture I'm about to show you. So I went from this to this. <laughs> oh, <laughs> It's painful. It's so bad. <laughs> but this, this broke the internet for, for a while. It was everywhere. And uh, all kinds of memes came from this. And <laughs> it's just so bad. I show you this stupid picture, actually because there's a, an important point that I want you to walk away with. I want, I want this picture in your head. As you follow Jesus, what Jesus are you passing on? What are you doing to the truth that is given to you? 
So it seems harmless. It seems goofy. Like, okay, yeah, I got some stuff wrong. All right. But it can really turn into something very sinister. Every cult that has ever been, any Christian cult, has stemmed from a false view of the person of Jesus. Whether his divinity or whether his humanity, getting those things wrong sets everything else in balance, uh, in off balance. And so whenever that's taken to the extremes, we see some awful things happen. I don't need to go into them. You hear about it. Um, but here's a quote I found from the preacher's complete homiletical commentary. <laughs> yeah. But it is actually, it really, it perfectly illustrates what, what I'm trying to say to you. It says, clearness in the mental conception of truth is necessary in order to grasp its meaning, see its beauty, and feel its power. Loose views of the truth leave the soul more exposed to the ravages of error and to become an easy victim to false teachers. And so I, I want to light a fire under you this morning. I don't want this to be a weight on you or guilt I want this to be a clear picture of the urgency of being faithful to Scripture in what you're receiving and in what you're passing on. I think oftentimes we can just get caught up in our own lives, enjoying ourselves, and not even realize that we've put the wrong sign out. How are we, are we sabotaging the truth of Christ? And I, there's been... Stories from my life where I've 100% and, and just blatantly had a person come up to me, especially when I was in college, and say, hey, you hang out with Christian surfers, right? And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, thinking I'm going to have a witnessing opportunity. And they say, well, how come I saw you out getting drunk the other day? And I sank into the floor and realized that I have sabotaged the truth of Jesus in this person's life. And that is something I have to carry with me and something that I pray to God I don't have to answer for. And so similarly with all of you, how are we sabotaging the truth? What Jesus are we passing forward? Does it look like that dumb picture that, <laughs> that I put up there? Or is it Jesus, the King of Kings? So how can we hold to the pattern of sound words? The, the best news I have for you this morning is that it is not entirely up to us. It is not entirely our our responsibility. Jesus knows us, and so he said before he left that he was going to give us the helper. The last phrase says, by the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. We cannot live the Christian life without the power of the Holy Spirit. It is impossible. And the beautiful thing is if we receive Christ, the Holy Spirit dwells within us and guides us into truth, gives us understanding of Scripture, the Holy Spirit is the one who penned it. He is the one who breathed it into the authors. And God cannot lie. Hebrews 6 says, God cannot lie. It is impossible for God to lie. So the Holy Spirit is never going to ask you to do something that contradicts Scripture. The Holy Spirit is not going to lead you in a direction that is contrary to Scripture. He will always uphold the pattern of sound words that we've been given. So we are sealed in the Holy Spirit when we believe. A seal is very permanent. In the Old Testament, the seal of the covenant was circumcision. That was very permanent. In the New Testament, we are sealed with the Holy Spirit. He is on our hearts. And a seal designates 
it empowers, and it protects. So if you see a seal on something, say of the U.S. government, you know that is important. That is property of the United States. I am not going to mess with that if I'm not authorized to mess with it. And it also empowers whatever is in that envelope bearing that seal. You know it's got authority to speak into your life as a citizen. And so we are designated as belonging to God by the Holy Spirit. We are protected by his power. And we are empowered to walk in the footsteps of the king. Amen? Ephesians 1, 13 to 14 illustrates this beautifully. It says, In him also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. We have to learn to heed his voice, and the best way to do that is day by day, treasure Jesus. Spend time in the word, and there's three words I, wanna, I want you walking away with here. It is seek, ask, and wait. Seek after him daily. Ask for an increase of his Holy Spirit in your life. And here's the fun part. Wait. Wait on him. And we don't want to do that. We want instant results. We have to wait to cry out, Holy Spirit, fall afresh on me daily as we get into his word. Isaiah 64 says, From old no one has heard or perceived by the ear. No eye has seen a God besides you who acts for those who wait for him. God honors it when we spend that time and we are willing, we trust what he has for us enough that we can wait for it. We can wait on him to move. And that's what has to happen if we're going to build church leadership that lasts is wait on the Holy Spirit to move in our lives as we chase after Jesus relentlessly. So does it feel like there is a vast chasm between you and God? Jesus made a way across, and he's calling to you. Are you going to answer that call? Does the thought of Jesus being your treasure seem out of reach? Does it seem like something that is this high and lofty ideal and you're like, hey, listen, I, I live in real life. I don't know about you, but I've got all these other things going on. Chase after Jesus. Treasure him. Remove the rocks from the soil. Get the weeds out of the soil around you. Chase after him day by day and let the Holy Spirit work in you. And if you're already a believer, this might be tearing you up inside a little bit. This, this passage was hugely convicting for me. There's so often where I can get, even, even in church work, just lost in the day-to-day, week-to-week. Like, oh, Sunday's coming, just got to get everything ready. And, and you can lose focus of, why am I doing this? And anytime I find myself in that place, the answer has been to seek, ask, wait, rinse and repeat daily. And lo and behold, faithfully chasing after Jesus, I find myself right back in his arms. I feel and hear the voice of the Holy Spirit again leading me and guiding me. And he never went anywhere, but I had obscured him. I had put all kinds of things between me and him and then wonder why, God, where, where, where are you? I'm not hearing from you. And he's like, hey, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so it's like I've been here the whole time. But if you don't spend that time asking, seeking, and waiting, 
So Psalm 73 has been a particular encouragement to me lately. And in this psalm, the psalmist is lamenting the fact that it seems like the wicked, the people who are evil, are having all the fun. The people who are not following after God are being blessed. They're healthy, they're wealthy, they're prospering. And he feels like he's down in a pit just saying, God, what is going on? And throughout the psalm, he comes to a point of repentance and realizes that it's not anything God's done. It's not anything all these other people have done. It's where has he placed himself? What has he allowed himself to sink into? And so as, as we close, I want to leave you guys with this. Starting in verse 21. He says, Then I realized that my heart was bitter, and I was all torn up inside. I was so foolish and ignorant, I must have seemed like a senseless animal to you. Yet I still belong to you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, leading me to a glorious destiny. Whom have I in heaven but you? I desire you more than anything on earth. My health may fail and my spirit may grow weak, but God remains the strength of my heart. He is mine forever. Those who desert him will perish. For you destroy those who abandon you. But for me, how good it is to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my shelter. And I will tell everyone about the wonderful things that you do. I want to give the band a minute. To, if you guys want to make your, way, make your way back up. But... Final question to you guys is, is the Holy Spirit calling out to you this morning? Don't you think it's about time that you answer? If you have never put your trust in Jesus, come talk to me or another staff member or an elder after the service. We would love nothing more than to walk you through this. For the rest of us, there's a prayer that I'd like to lead us in. It's a prayer of of repentance, a prayer of asking for an increase of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So will you guys join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, we thank you because you are slow to anger and always ready to forgive us of our sins when we repent. We repent of thoughts and words and actions that have been contrary to your word. Cleanse us, Lord, with the blood of Jesus. Transform us and renew us daily as we spend time reading and meditating on your word. As we spend time in your presence, let us learn to treasure you above all else. Lord, we ask for refreshment from the inside out. Anoint us afresh with your Holy Spirit to fulfill all the duties and responsibilities that are in front of us. In Jesus' name.